we're hearing more and more about wastewater monitoring of COVID-19 levels. It's really fascinating work that's being done. And there is a joint project between the U of C and the U of A that has been doing this for a couple of years, right throughout this pandemic. And it's really interesting to see the information they've come up with. So let's get some insight. We're going to chat now with Dr. Benita Lee, who is a pediatric infectious disease physician at the Stollery Children's Hospital and an associate professor at the University of Alberta. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Sean, sorry, Shane. It's Benita. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Sorry, Shane. I, no, that's fine. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is um, it's really really interesting. So just tell us basically how it works. Just it, it's a project that's got the two schools involved, but it, it hits on multiple communities across the province. Just give us the lay of the land in terms of the work that you've been doing. Sure. First of all, actually, I want to invite you know any of the listener right now if they want have a computer, they can search for COVID Tracker C O V I D dash T R A C K E R because the wastewater data that we have is actually available to the public for testing. You know of the seventeen wastewater treatment plan across the province, and you can look at it. So what happened is from the science, we know that with COVID nineteen, the viruses get excreted in the stew, and so um, first of all, I want to uh, acknowledge my team because this is really many people work plus all the collaborator like all the wastewater plan or uh, institution that let us monitor their wastewater for the presence of the virus RNA in the in the wastewater so because the virus is being um, shedded in the stew sample uh, we know that the good thing about wastewater is if you think about it with the wastewater plan for example serving Edmonton any of the individual who has COVID and is shedding the virus is contributing, you know, their part of the um, infection in the wastewater. Mm -hmm. And the team is able to detect, you know, uh, the presence of the viral RNA as well as quantify how much it is. So it is a unbiased, non-discriminatory measure of how much active, you know, COVID we have in a community. Now, definitely people who are using diapers like babies and elderly will not be included. Um, on the other hand, with wastewater, so it is a very good estimate what is the disease burden. On the other hand, I want to say is because we're not discriminatory, we don't know the age group, we don't know the disease severity of all these people. Um, but when you mentioned that, you know, test thing clinically may not be, uh, you know, available because yeah. of resource or rapid test. So while the um, public health that can report the numbers by lab testing of individual may not be representing all of is happening, but the wastewater will, as I say, capture anyone who is contributing the virus into the sewage. And so you can see the uh, longitudinal change over time. Right, and now we should make clear here, it's not going to say, oh, we have 550 cases in Edmonton and 602 in Calgary. It doesn't do that. It just says, this is the viral load within the wastewater, right? It can't give you numbers. Correct. Thanks so much for bringing that up, Shane. Like, we cannot translate what we detect in the stew exactly to what number of people yeah. have the disease. However, what we do find is we use a word correlate, meaning that, you know, for the study we have done so far since uh, basically um, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we know that, you know, the rate of change of uh, the level of RNA that we can detect in the stew actually mirrors very well with the rate of change of increase, you know, in the population. So it correlates really well. But we have to remember with wastewater, each point as a data point, um, you know, 
has a possibility of being, um, we call it an outlier. So whenever we see a change, for example, it was high and then it goes quite low, we have to wait for the next point to make sure it wasn't just an outlier. Yeah. We have to look at the things over time. Yeah, an ongoing trend makes perfect sense. Um, but it is, in terms of time, uh, from what I'm seeing, and I, I, there's a bunch of discussion right now about what's happening in the northeastern United States because they're relying heavily on wastewater monitoring. I don't know if I'm sure you're on top of their data, but um, they sort of put it up as it, it it's very reactive in terms of time because it's it's almost a real-time monitoring of what's going on, whereas with PCR testing and the like, you have to get people, have they have to be symptomatic, they have to go down and get tested, the test has to be run, then the re- results have to be reported. This is sort of monitoring almost in real time. I mean, not immediate, but is it more quick and more reactive in that sense? Yes, it is. Like, as I say, because if I have COVID and I go to the bathroom and then I shed my virus, it goes into the sewage right away. Yeah. And we do collect. So right now, many thanks to, you know, our health uh, supporting the program. Right now, we actually get a sample from waste management plant three times a day. We still need time, you know, to test the sample because it is actually uh, quite a intricate process to process the sample and to test it to find the RNA. So it is actually... Uh, there's still a lack for testing, but then we are trying our best to present things as fast as we can. And also, you know, there is also transport time, you know, from the sure. wastewater treatment plant to come to the lab. But actually, all these, you know, delay, when I say I use the word delay, but the time needed for specimen to be collected, transported, and tested, the same for wastewater, the same for clinical sample. But we are able to test the population as it is. Uh, without having to collect sample from everyone, we just need the wastewater sample. Um, so it, you're, it's 17 wastewater treatment plants or pump stations covering a total of 24 cities and towns across the province and one smaller community. And I know Dr. Yeah. Hinshaw was saying months ago that they can use wastewater to sort of monitor where outbreaks may be occurring, regardless of testing. So, I mean, that kind of information, you can be fairly specific in terms of you know, sampling different geographic regions of the province based on the wastewater in that area, right? So, quick question, because, like, when you mentioned about the wastewater treatment plant, it's a big geographic area, and, you know, depending on the wastewater treatment plant, the size of population monitor is different. And we find that that is an important point I want to uh, emphasize is people cannot compare the number of the virus, like, level of one wastewater treatment plant with another, because yeah. each wastewater treatment plant with this population have its categories characteristics. And then, you know, we actually have done, you know, study and analysis to see, you know, how sensitive this is for the wastewater treatment plan that we are monitoring, and we're hoping to publish that. Now, on the other hand, there is a different way of using, you know, wastewater monitoring. It's what we call site-specific monitoring. So it could be a long-term care facility, or it could be a hospital unit that we monitor the, you know, wastewater to see if we have um, the viral RNA. And if we actually, you know, find there is viral RNA and there is no known cases in that, you know, um, place, then we definitely need to work with public health and also, you know, the uh, person who operate those sites to see what is going on. And so there is a separate study that we also started, like, in Edmonton, um, and also Calgary is doing that now as well, that there are some site-specific monitoring that we're doing that we can actually look into more, because the population is smaller, it is more amenable to for public health to do. Again, wastewater never replaces clinical testing because we need a clinical testing sometimes to identify people that are at high risk for COVID and need the testing. But majority of us right now, you know, there is so much 
uh, Omicron. Yeah. If I'm sick, I need to isolate. I probably have it. I don't necessarily need to be tested. Exactly. So those people aren't being tested. So that 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 data set is lost. Um, other than the work that you're doing, it's interesting to me. How I mean, is it just basically you you get virus? I, I don't cells. I don't know if that's the right word, but sa- specimen samples. I mean, you can differentiate between different strains of the virus in the wastewater, right? I mean, so is it just basically yeah. the same thing as the test that we're doing? Yes. Thanks for mentioning that, Shane. And most importantly, I want to say it's not you, my doing. It's actually a whole team sure, and many yes, people yeah. doing. And then, you know, the um, we can actually... So it is the genetic material of the virus. So, you know, our team um, is very good. We can actually... With help from actually, I would say, uh, collaborative work with different teams across Canada, we can actually, you know, sequence and identify. For example, we have been looking at how much um, the RNA in the so the genetic material is called RNA in the wastewater is actually Omicron, or how much is it there? We can detect in terms of Delta, the previous strain. So we actually have. Uh, interesting data to show, you know, how um, Omicron is moving into a community in terms of testing the wastewater to see, you know, uh, comparatively whether uh, Omicron is really taking over or we are still, we are seeing half and half, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Two more for you. First of all, so you've got that information. You can see it's really moving into a community. It's taking over. Omicron is now that. What can we do with the information that you're gleaning from wastewater? How has our province taken that and reacted or changed or adapted what they're doing? I mean, how is this data being used? Yes, what I can tell you is, um, you know, the Pan-Alberta Wastewater Monitoring Team has been sharing data with both Alberta Health and Alberta Health Services, and they have their special team to, you know, use the wastewater data in a way that will be helpful for them to project things. I cannot speak to that detail because I'm not part of those team. And, um, and again, I want to say wastewater is very useful. It is supplementary because it cannot replace clinical testing. Um, but I'm, I know that, you know, all my colleagues in public health are, and Alberta Health are using this to help, you know, how to manage things. I just can't speak to the specific. Um, how often, like, are do you have data sets that you can point to every day, every three days, once a week? Like, how does it, in terms of, okay, we're monitoring what's going on in Edmonton and we're monitoring what's going on in Calgary, and we can sort of lay this trend out based on what we see every day, every three days, every week? How does it work? Yeah, great question. Uh, sorry, Jane, you're asking so many good, good questions. So right now we are sampling from wastewater treatment plants three times a week. Okay. And then so every time when the sample get to the lab, lab try to produce the result within 24, 48 hours. And then the data is then put on, you know, the CHI, uh, Center for Health Informatics at UFC COVID tracker. So actually anyone can go on to the site. And when you find the COVID tracker web page, you'll see a big provincial map and then it's on the right hand side there is a wastewater tab you press on it and i encourage everyone to look first look at the youtube video because it explains you know how the data work and how you can you know look at things and and then you can actually click on the wastewater treatment plan and see you know what is happening across canada from wastewater monitoring point of view okay so that that information is available people can check it out and they can watch the youtube video to get more info um dr lee thank you so much for giving us some insight onto how this is working in our province uh, we'll check in again. And, and oh, by the way, where are we? What are you seeing right now? Like with your last results in terms of Omicron, where are we? Is it still continuing to go up and how bad is it getting? It's, 
interesting is because it is all different, I think, across Alberta. Okay. So it's hard for me to summarize, but when people look at it, they will get a better sense. So I really encourage people to go to the site and look at the data um, and hopefully, you know, find this meaningful for them. And if I can say just one thing is, um, you know, please do, I hope everyone is healthy. Um, please always, you know, clean hands as you need it. If anyone has symptoms, no matter how symptomatic, sorry, no matter how mild, please isolate yourself. And uh, it is uh, likely Omicron. Not everyone needs to be tested and uh, try not to have, you know, big crowds or shorter events. Uh, we need to kind of slow the curve from going up so that the healthcare system will be okay. Sorry, Shane, for taking your time. No, I, I'm, I'm delighted. I, I could talk about this for hours. Uh, it's fascinating to me, and I appreciate uh, your expertise and your insight. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. That is um, Dr. Bonita Lee, a pediatric infectious disease physician at the Stollery Hospital and an associate professor at the University of Alberta, part of the project, the Pan-Alberta Wastewater Monitoring Project that's taking place. Uh, the U of C and the U of A running this program uh, in conjunction. Uh, it monitors... 17 wastewater treatment plants or pump stations, which cover a total of 24 cities and towns and one smaller community. 